0: Hello and welcome back to another episode of Bite Size Cinema. I'm your host RJ McCready and for this episode I'm going to be taking you guys back to the year in 1971 to look at Gene Wilder's iconic cult classic musical Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. So let's go to that factory, let's play you guys a trailer and I'll see you soon. From the pen of author
1: Roald Dahl to the motion picture screen comes a most unusual chocolate factory and the mysterious Candyman inside. I'm so glad you could come. This is going to be such an exciting day. Gene Wilder is the mythical Candyman Willy Wonka and he's opening his factory gates for five lucky children who find a golden ticket. Our hero, Charlie Bucket, wants his golden chance more than anyone. Open it, Charlie. Let's see that golden ticket. Wouldn't that be fantastic? It's not fair to raise his hope. Never mind. Go on, open it, Charlie. I want to see that gold. Stop it, Dad. I've got the same chance as anybody else, haven't I? Eat your way through the chocolate room. Take a ride on the burp-powered Wonka-mobile. Float around the bubbly, fizzy lifting room. Sail down the chocolate river on the SS Wonkatania. Step on the wonka and go through the roof destination the scrum little yumptious world of willy wonka and the chocolate factory rated g
0: and welcome back guys so the synopsis for this film is a poor but hopeful boy seeks one of the five coverted golden tickets that will send him on a tour of willy wonka's mysterious chocolate factory It's got 100-minute runtime and it's a family fantasy musical. It was directed by Mel Stewart and looking at his biography, this is his main feature. This is the film that he's most famous for. And it was backed by Paramount Pictures with a $3 million budget. The film is based on the cult classic 1964 novel of the similar name, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, which was written by Roald Dahl, who is a legend himself. And he is a British novelist, short story writer, poet, screenwriter and wartime fighter pilot. And his books have sold 250 million copies worldwide and every one of them are iconic and they're familiar in the children's world, certainly familiar when I was growing up at school. You've got James and the Giant Peach, Matilda, The Witches, The Fantastic Mr Fox, The BFG, The Twits and... One of my favourites, which is George's Marvelous Medicine, that was a classic. And he also wrote books for adults as well, which uh, was The Tales of the Unexpected, which was turned into a TV show in the late 70s, early 80s, and that was creepy. That was really creepy, it was spooky. Um, I seem to remember the intro music just been incredibly haunting so if you like that sort of horror um sort of 70s tv shows and you haven't seen it go check that out um you might want to hide behind the sofa for some of those episodes i think i did when i was a kid (laughs) and he also wrote a short story about gremlins which would later be turned into a movie by joe dante and steven spielberg And one of the reasons why he wrote about the gremlins is going back to his fighter pilot days is because the fighter pilots back in World War II used to blame these gremlin creatures for the malfunctions in the aeroplane engines. So uh, there's a little bit of trivia there on that. And talking about films, he also did some uh, screenplays to some iconic movies from Hollywood. Uh, He did uh, the screenplay to James Bond, You Only Live Twice. And he also did the screenplay to Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. So um, he was a busy guy. He's a busy guy, a clever guy. Uh, jack of all trades, I guess you could say. But going back to the main feature and Willy Wonka in the Chocolate Factory, there is a reason why it's called that and not Charlie in the Chocolate Factory. And one of those reasons is because Roald Dahl was not happy with this film and one of the reasons why he wasn't happy and this is all research which i've done on the internet and stuff like that guys is because he was um, employed as a screenwriter did the screenplay to the film um, the director took a look at it and then he hired another screenwriter which is david selter and this guy wrote the omen and he tinkered around with Roldo's final script um, he changed a few things and Roald Dahl wasn't aware of this until the film got filmed and wrapped up and cut and everything, until he actually watched it and went, hang on a second, this wasn't the actual uh, screenplay that I wrote. And he refused to give permission for them to go and make the sequel to this film, which is um, The Great Glass Elevator, which I've been waiting for for a long time. <laughs> and I believe this is the other reason why the title was changed to Willy Wonka. Instead of churning the chocolate factory because of role doll saying that you know it's it's not what I was told and it's not the screenplay that I gave you guys to go and make. Um, so I kind of get that if you know he wasn't informed and stuff like that. But but then having said that, being familiar with this book when I was growing up, I think this film is a great adaptation of the story. I don't know anybody that doesn't like this film. It's it's cult. It's classic. It's it's fun. Um, it's quotable. The songs are great. Um, if I bring up Charlie and the Chocolate Factory or Woody Wonka in the Chocolate Factory, people immediately start to sing these songs, and you engage in a great conversation about it. And I think it has just captured that magic that Roald Dahl was trying to put into his book. So it's it, it's funny how him as a as a writer, and I kind of respect that if that is his you know his vision that he didn't feel like was right, but it's captured the magic from the book onto the screen and i loved it when i was a kid and now my kids love it and i was talking to my kids about this the other day saying i was doing this film and they said yeah dad i love that film it's great you know and we was again we were seeing the songs we was quoting the lines (laughs) such as that scene when mike tv asked wonka what that machine is and he says it's a it's a waka washer and he says, what is that? And he goes, it's Wonka Washer spelled backwards. So it's just classic. It's just one of the many lines in this movie. So there you go, guys. That's how um, Woody Wonka got produced. And it's worth mentioning now, actually, that uh, when it was released back in 1971, it didn't do very well at the box office, but it did very well on the VHS rental. It's one of those films that did very well in that market. And it has now become a cult classic. And... I think it eventually made its uh, money back in the in the rental market. So let's have a look at the cast of this movie. So you've got Gene Wilder playing Willy Wonka, and I can see anybody else but Gene Wilder play this part now. He does a great job of this. Um, the other people that were in line to play Wonka was Ron Moody, who is famous for playing Fagin in the musical version of Oliver Twist. And you also had a Doctor Who that was lined up to play this, which was John Pertwee and the comedy comedian uh, Spike Milligan. But like I say, guys, I really can't see anybody else but Gene Mulder do do this role because he does an incredible job. Um, he's not in-your-face funny. He, he manages to blend this Woody Wonka character to being comedic, but he has this balance of menace and mystery about him as well, and I think Gene Mulder really, really does a good job of that. And he got this role on the spot when he went for an audition. Uh, he just walked in. I think he was just himself, and the director for the film said, "Yeah, that you are, you are Willy Wonka." And even when Gene Wilder walked out of the room, the director ran down the hallway and said, "You're hired. You, you got the job." But Gene Wilder didn't accept it immediately. He actually replied by saying, "Well, I will do this on one condition." And this is great. I didn't know this, but it's it's one of those things that is right in front of you but you just don't see it at the time and what it is is that when you first meet wonka and he comes walking out and he's got his walking stick and he's got his limp he rolls over and then he just goes surprised it was just me playing around and what he said is gene wilder said is that i will pretend that i've got a limp and then i haven't and then he said the reason why i've done this for the rest of the movie you won't know whether i'm being serious or whether I'm lying, so that's a that's a really good um, bit of character prepara- preparation from you know Gene Wilder there, and he pulls this off throughout the whole movie and all the way through the film. And it's and it's right what he said there that 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 basic mechanic of Wonka throughout this whole film is one minute he's being serious, and the next minute he's like, "Hey, on stop rewind, okay, let's go forwards." You know, what I mean, it's great, it's brilliant, I love it, and I think that's that is what is um, again I've said this before in the episodes um woody wonka is the heart of this movie and charlie is the engine he's driving it forward and it's much like what i said in the last episode of labyrinth it's very similar in a way is that wonka is like bowie king king giraffe and charlie is like sarah so you've got that same sort of mechanic there and ultimately um When you look at Willy Wonka, it is a story about him teaching these guys, some of these horrible sport kids, a lesson, which I'll get into later on. But there you go. That is the main main driving mechanic of this story, which I think is great. And then on top of that driving mechanic, which I said there between Wonka and Charlie and it all moving forward, is all the other greatness of the film, the songs. You know, the songs in this film, they're iconic. you can sing along to him you know like i said when you bring this film up you immediately start saying you know the candy man song at the beginning or the pure imagination song when they're you know the kids are first introduced to his factory which is again that was um that's worth mentioning as well when when they see that factory for the first time their reactions on their face now that is a spontaneous reaction because they hadn't seen that movie set so what you see there is their first initial reaction which is great and throughout the rest of the film, it is like that. Um, Gene Wilder held his cards very close to his chest. People didn't know what he was going to do. So the actor's reactions, what you see on screen, is for real. And talking about the driving mechanics of this film, let's talk about some of the trivia. And there's some great trivia here. So um, they actually used 150 gallons of water and chocolate and cream for that scene of the uh, Chocolate River, the waterfall that you see, oh god Augustus Kloops starts drinking from it. So that is all mixed up chocolate and cream, and after a time it started to go off and it and apparently it smelled awful by the end of the movie as well. Yeah. And the scene by the end of the film when you're in Wonka's office, uh, they didn't want the office just to be normal, plain and bland. They thought, well, we can't have it where this character's done all these things just to be in a normal office. So I said, let's just cut everything in half. So that's the reason why they did that. So that's quite a clever scene there with that. And it was filmed in Munich in Germany. And the reason why they did that is because Munich looks very oldie-waltie. It's got like a real sort of terracotta, um, stone-cobbled streets. And they really try to capture that sort of uh, roll, dull imagination in these books. And I've been to Munich and when I've walked around I thought, oh yeah, it is. You know, it's got that real sort of um, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory vibe to it when you go out there. And... Um, they purposely cut back on the use of vehicles in this film so you can't really put your finger on what sort of timeline this is on which is quite clever and it kind of captures that it's kind of got a funny i guess you could say comic book vibe to it this film because now i've read that and they purposely like cut back on the use of cars and you you can't really sort of say where this is set or you know with like the clothes that are in you know it's sort of in the 70s it's obviously filmed in the 70s but again they've they've just captured that sort of magic i can't i'm actually lost i can't really explain it do you know what i mean it's um you could probably hear in my voice guys this is how this film leaves you do you know what i mean and i think this is why this film's cult classic and um it just it really has captured something so yeah i can't explain it guys really i'm lost so <laughs> if you can tell me let me know just post something on um, <laughs> on the facebook page or something so But anyway, it's filmed out in Munich. So if you are out in Munich, go and check out these sets. You can go and see them or you can see the film locations. It's a lot of fun. Um, So Jenny Dawn Cole, she plays the character of Veruca Saltz. And she was nothing like her character, apparently. Um, She was horrible, that character, Veruca. But um, the actress herself, she was wonderful. She was lovely and everybody said, you are nothing like her. um, And apparently she drew inspiration from some of the girls she used to go to school with apparently weren't very nice so there you go and just the last bit of trivia here guys before going to the review of the movie um Willy Wonka's costume sold back in I think it's about 2015 it sold for $74,000 and this is one of Marilyn Manson's favourite movies so there you go she drew some inspiration from Willy Wonka so there you go guys, there's some trivia, there's some production, that's how this film got put together, that's the magic of this film. So, let's have a look at this film, let's do a bi-sized review of Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. So the film starts in a small town you're introduced to Charlie Bucket who is a poor paper boy and he's watching all the kids going into a candy shop. And this is where you get our first song of the Candyman, it's a pretty cool song. And then you see Charlie's walking home and he walks past Willy Wonka's chocolate factory. And whilst he stood by the gates, he meets a mysterious tinker who recites a line from a William Anningham poem. And it was called The Fairies, apparently, this poem. And he says to Charlie, nobody goes in and nobody comes out. And it's quite a creepy scene, actually. It really creates this sort of creepy vibe when you look at the factory. It's almost like the, the factory is like a character itself. And then Charlie runs home to his um, bedridden grandparents. He meet Grandpa Joe and his uh, widowed mother. And poor old Charlie, God bless him, he comes home with a loaf of bread which he's spent his um, paper round money on to try and help his family out. And that night, Charlie talks to his Grandpa Joe and he says to him that um, he visited the factory today and then this is where Grandpa Joe tells Charlie that Woody Wonka closed the factory down because he had a rival called Slugworth who was trying to steal his secret recipe so he closed it down and he wouldn't let anybody else in. And to this day nobody knows how he is producing his chocolate. And then the next day uh, Wonka announces his five golden tickets and he says that he's hidden him in his bars of chocolate, the Wonka bar, and he says that the finders will have a grand tour of his factory and will receive a lifetime supply of chocolate. And very quickly, the first four tickets are found uh, by the glutinous Augustus Gloop. They're very, very sport Salt, whose father does a great job in this, is played by um, Roy Kinnear. The late Roy Kinnear, um, unfortunately, passed away on set of The Four Musketeers, uh, which I forgot to mention, actually. I've um, got to mention some of the cast members. More importantly, the guy who plays Charlie Bucket, just on a little bit of a side note there guys coming away from the review so you've got um peter ostrum who plays charlie and this was his only acting role he went on to go and become a vet after this uh jack alberston he's done he's done quite a few films in the past leading up to this he plays grandpa joe and obviously roy Kinnear, as i just mentioned there and julie dawn cole who plays roe salt so it's just to name some of the cast there but going back to the review because i'll skip that bit from earlier I think I got caught up with the greatness of Gene Wilder, but there you go. Okay. Going back to the movie, so, yeah, there's uh, four kids that have found, uh, four horrible kids that have found the uh, golden tickets, and there's still one floating around. And, oops, I forgot to mention the other kids there as well, guys. I'm not even going to edit this. I'm just going to let this flow. So this is just me being spontaneous now. So the other kids here, you've got um, the daughter of a wealthy business car salesman, Violet. Who is a chewing gum expert and the last kid here you've got Mike TV who is stuck on the TV and his dad says, yep you can have a gum when you're 12 kids so <laughs> there you go. But each time one of these kids finds a golden ticket you get a mysterious man turn up in a trench coat and a hat and he whispers something into their ear and you can't hear what he says. And with one ticket remaining, these tickets really have taken the world by a storm. People are doing everything they can to find the ticket. You've got a woman whose husband's been kidnapped, and this is quite a funny scene because you've got um, the police uh, talking to her, doing a negotiation with the kidnappers, and they say, "Well, they want your sort of supply of Wonka bars," and she sort of goes, "Oh," <laughs> and that's it. Just sort of cuts. You can sort of see her reaction there. And then you've got some scientist dude He says he's got this machine, he's going to tell him. And uh, it doesn't go the way he wants it to. The machine basically tells him, I'm not going to tell you. So you've got some comedy elements here. And then you get a news report where the final golden ticket is found in South America. And it's a millionaire casino owner who's found the ticket. And this upsets Charlie. It's quite a sad scene. You get a scene here where you've got his mum... Uh, sing another song called cheer up charlie and this moves into the next day where the world is kind of calmed down and charlie goes back to his paper rounds and he goes to the candy shop and whilst he's walking there he finds a, a silver dollar in the gutter and he picks it up and he decides to buy himself some candy goes into the shop and the candy store owner gives him a scrum diddy i think that's how you pronounce it And then just for old times' sakes, he says, how about a good old-fashioned Wonka bar? And he says, yeah, I'll tell you what, I'll take that. So Charlie takes it, and as he walks outside, there's a group of news reporters shouting and screaming and saying that this guy in South America is a fake, and there's still one golden ticket floating around. So finding out this news, Charlie unwraps the Wonka bar, and to his surprise, he has the golden ticket, and he's waving it up in the air, and the news reporters see him, and then he's paper round, guy says, run Charlie, run home and don't stop. And you get Charlie running home. And then he gets stopped by a slugworth. He just turns up, this mysterious carrot. He's almost sort of creepy in a way. And then this is where you find out what he's been telling the other kids. And what he said to them is that when you go to the factory, get me an everlasting gobstopper because I want to find out the recipe for it. And he says, if you do that, I will fund, give you money to your family and you'll never be poor for the rest of your life. And then Charlie gets home with all excitement and he chooses his Grandpa Joe to join him on this venture to the Chocolate Factory. And this is where you get another song here, it's where Grandpa Joe gets out of bed for the first time in 20 years. And then the next day you're outside the Chocolate Factory, you've got a crowd of people with a brass band, everybody's excited, all the kids turn up. And this is where you meet Mr Wonka for the first time and it's that bit that I mentioned at the beginning of the show where he limps out and then he rolls over. And then you've got Farouk Saltz who runs to the front of the queue and she goes, oh dad, dad, I want to be the first in, I want to be the first in. This is where you get uh, Wonka come out and say, oh, Mr. Mr. Salts, what a wonderful daughter you've got. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's, like, it's great. And then everybody comes through and straight away Wonka goes, right, so much time, such little to do, let's go. And he takes them inside the factory and... He gets everybody to write the uh, contract, which has some small print on it. And when you've got some small print on there, it's, it's just comic genius where the writing just gets smaller and smaller. And someone comes out and says, oh, I need a, I need to answer a question. He goes, all questions must be submitted via an envelope and sent to the factory. Right, let's move on. Do you know what I mean? Just, it, it is... And then you've got the hands on the wall that take the uh, coats and the hats and one grabs Grandpa Joe's hat and then the woman screams and then Wonka comes out and goes, Nope, it's all right, it's okay. Let's keep moving on. Everything will become apparent. Let's go. And then everybody walks into a room with Wonka and he's walking up a corridor and he starts to get bigger. And then this is where Mr. Salts comes out and goes, are you having a laugh, Wonka? Like this? And he goes, why, are you having fun? <laughs> it's like everybody's crouched down they've become bigger in this corridor and he gets to this door and he says once you get past this door you get into this room and everything in this room you can eat and then this week, Augustus Cleep comes out and goes let me in I'm starving (laughs) and then the door opens up everybody turns back to that normal size and they go into the candy room and the chocolate factory and it's a magic scene great scene And you get um, Gene Wilder singing that classic song, World of Pure Imagination. It's it's just brilliant. It's probably the pinnacle of this movie where everybody's running around and they're eating the flowers made of candy. But there's one character that just wants that little bit more and there's good old Augustus Gloop and he's drinking from the Chocolate River. And this is where Mr Wonka goes, no, no, you must not drink from the river, it's contaminated, I'm going to have to change it all now. And then as he walks over to him, Augustus Gloop falls into the river and then he gets sucked up through this uh, tube. And this is where Mr. Gloop goes, oh my god, oh my god, what's going on? And he goes, then Mr. Wonka goes, stop, panic. And then everybody's watching Augustus getting sucked through this tube. Which takes him to the fudge room. This is where Wonka gets one of the Oompa Loompas to take uh, Mrs. Gloop to the fudge room so then his boy can be recovered. And I've kind of skipped a little bit here because you get before this, you get uh, Mr. Wonka. He tells them about the Oompa Loompas and the story of where they come from. A mysterious place in the world where they're being attacked by the Wang Doodle. And then Wonka takes them on to a riverboat ride, which is a real creepy scene. It really is. I mean, every time I watch it, it's it's borderline like a horror movie when he goes through and he starts singing a song. Everybody's getting creeped out, You're getting flashing images of like a spider and a chicken getting its head cut off. It really is a grim scene. And apparently um, the actors or the the kid actors in real life were creeped out by this scene as well because... Gene Wilder's acting was so convincing that um, they couldn't tell whether he was acting or whether he was just being freaky or what. And uh, again, this is the spontaneity of the actors' reaction in this film, and it's it's real. It's, It's like they're not even acting, these guys are actually being scared. And so then the boat stops and they arrive at the inventing room, and this is where they come across a everlasting gobstopper to where each and every one of these kids receives one but also being invented is a chewing gum which is of the interest of violet and she can't resist and on the instructions of mr wonky tells her not to but she does and she eats the chewing gum and as a result she turns into a blueberry and you get a funny scene here where he goes violet you're turning violet and then you get the Oompa they come out, they take her to a squeezing room and then they sing another song and it's about the moral of a story of being greedy and all that type of stuff so. and so the remaining group they walk on they come across some wallpaper that you can lick and then a fizzy lifting drinking room and again to the orders of Mr Wonka he says you know don't drink it but this is where Charlie and Grandpa Joe they don't do as they're told They drink the fizzy lifting drinks and they start floating up. And they're having fun and everything's going well up until the point that they get to the roof and they get to a fan with some blades and it turns into some danger. And they've got to stop themselves from floating up any further or else they get chopped up into pieces. And the only way down is to belch and you get a scene here where they start belching and they start coming back down to the floor. And after getting back down they return to the group. And they find themselves in a room with hens laying golden eggs. And this is where Faruka Salt says, Daddy, Daddy, I want a golden egg. I want a golden egg. And this is where Mr Salt goes, all right, Wonka, how much do you want for one? And then Mr Wonka comes out and says, well, they're not for sale. But then Faruka gets into a strop and she starts running around. And then this is where she sings a song, I Want It Now. And she jumps up onto the golden egg weighing machine and the chute goes down because if the egg isn't good it will take you down into the garbage chute and she falls down into it and then this is where mr wonka comes out and goes that's a bad egg mr wonka then calls one of the Impalumpers and he says can you take mr salts to the garbage room so he can go and get his daughter and then they move on and then after this they go to the wonka vision room and it's where wonka bars can get teleported onto tv and this spikes the interest of Mike TV, he says, I want to do this, I want to be on TV, and he gets himself teleported. And he gets transported to being only a few inches tall, and he says, look everybody, I'm on TV. And then um, once again, Mr Wonka gets on his whistle, calls for his impa and he says, uh, can you take uh, Mike TV away and his mum, so I guess so he can somehow be returned back to normal size. So you are now just left with Grandpa Joe and Charlie. Mr Wonka reassures Grandpa Joe that the kids will return back to normal and he goes to his office and he says, I've had a great day, it's been a fun day, it's been an interesting day. And he says goodbye to them and that's it and then he retreats to his office and this is where Grandpa Joe goes in and sees Mr Wonka and he says, well what about the uh, what about the prize? And then Mr Wonka comes out and says, you stole fizzy in drinks and he gets his little bit of paper with a very small bit of um, writing and he's reading the small print, and this is all in the office with everything that's been cut in half. And he basically screams at them both, and again, as I said earlier, with the spontaneity of this film, uh, Charlie did not know that um, Gene Wilder was going to react like this, so um, Charlie Bucket's reaction here is, you know, it's real. He, he, he's genuinely scared at this point as an actor. And he says to him, yeah, you stole Fizzy Lifting Drinks, so you are not going to get anything, so good day to you, sir. And then this is where Grandpa Joe goes, oh, you're a fake, you're a fraud. He goes, come on, Charlie, let's go. And then Charlie turns around and he goes, Mr Wonka, and he gives him back the everlasting gobstopper. And then this is where Mr Wonka, he takes hold of that gobstopper and he comes out and he says... One good deed in a weary world. And this is where he turns around and goes, Charlie, he goes, you did it, you did it. And he goes, what did I do? And he goes, the prize, the prize. And he goes, the chocolate. He goes, oh, the chocolate's just the beginning, come with me. And this is where they go into the glass elevator. And he says to him, if you push any one of these buttons, you go sideways upwards. And he goes, Except that one. He's got this big red button. And then Charlie presses it. And they go up through the air, through the roof of the chocolate factory and they go up into the sky. And this is where Mr Wonka says to uh, Charlie that in actual fact I've set all of this up. This whole day's been set up towards you because I knew you was the right kid to take this over. It's just that I was messing with all the other kids because, you know, their their greed and selfishness. He was just teaching them a lesson. He knew along that Charlie Bucket was going to be the good hearted kid that he wanted to uh, give the factory to. And then he said about Mr. Slugworth, he said, oh, Mr. Slugworth, he's a friend of mine. He's just setting it all up. And he said that basically you have given up that, the boy who has nothing has given up everything just to do the good thing. And that's ultimately how Charlie has got it. So it ends really well. There's a really good moral to the story. And um, then the film comes to an end and then you've got the... Um, closing song of world of pure imagination and there you go guys that is woody wonka and the uh, chocolate factory so as a roundup guys i mean um i generally try not to delve into politics or go too deep onto this show but what i will say is um woody wonka and the chocolate factory is a life lesson movie there's bits of it you can take away with particularly the selfishness and the greed and i'll tell you now there are people like that that i still meet today and i think you are the kids from charlie and the chocolate factory who are acting just like it so uh, yeah it's kind of like the film is a bit of a lesson in life and you can take a few bits away from it but there you go that is all i'm going to say about that and whilst i'm talking about it, i suppose i've got to talk about the remake you know tim burton's good he does some good stuff but um my own opinion here is that i didn't really like the remake i I wasn't a fan of it i really didn't think it captured the heart that this movie has but having said that i appreciate that there might be people out there that did enjoy the remake so um you know it's it's somebody's art at the end of the day somebody's works and all that stuff it's fine but um myself if someone asked me which one do you like i really like the uh gene wilder one i just think it's got it all so so there you go guys um I think that is all that i need to say about that film there you go i think you could probably hear my voice how much i love this film so there you go um but that's it guys like i say hope you enjoyed the show um let me tell you about what i've got in the works for the show so um i've got a listener request from dan bone from haunted hill um, he's asked if I could do The Substitute from 1996, so it's going to be in my next film that I'm going to be reviewing. And talking about Dan, he's going to be coming on the show with me for He Man, The Masters of the Universe, which should be recorded in the next couple of weeks, so that should be dropping. And I've also got another guest coming onto the show, which is trying to get this all working together. It should be Ricky Morgan from uh, the Helming Power Hour and Short Bus Cinema. He's also going to be joining me for Big Trouble in Little China because that film is another one of those films that I think I need to have a guest on the show to talk about as well. So a couple of guests coming on to the show, some exciting stuff. Um, and I've also got um, Jason and the Argonauts um, in the works. So, so it's busy, got a lot of stuff going on. But it's all good stuff. Um, so look out for those episodes and just to close the show up uh, just a little bit of admin I'm a proud member of the Legion Podcast Network so go and check out all the other shows on there I'll play a promo at the end of the show and you can find Bite Size Cinema on iTunes and YouTube and several other players on the internet if you just punch in the uh, Bite Size Cinema Podcast you'll be able to find it and I've also got a Facebook page so if there's anything you want to tell me about or you want to talk about some of the shows or comments or any requests, um, put them on there, let me know. And that's it, guys. Like I say, keep it bite-sized, keep it safe, and I will see you soon.